What's going on, coaches? Just got done watching uh, another great Sunday of NFL football. Uh, some really cool things to get to talk about. I'm sure they'll be all over Twitter. Some decisions coaches made, some decisions coaches did not make. Um, how unbelievable uh, Tom Brady is and, and what a freak Mahomes is. Um, Tyreek Hill, all those guys from Kansas City, pretty unbelievable. But um, excited to get to talk football with you guys. And um, unfortunately, football's coming to an end. So hopefully you guys, when you need that fix, you come over here to our podcast. Uh, we've got videos up on our website. We've got the podcast. We've got merchandise. We've got all that stuff for you all over at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know the best way to represent our big win is with the championship ring. And the team at Legend Rings wants to help you celebrate your regional and state championship title this season. Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy, and affordable from design to delivery. Check them out at legendrings.com or email info at legendrings.com to get started. Let them know that Run the Power sent you and they will make your ring for free. Again, go check them out at legendrings.com. This episode of the RTP podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us, if you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formation so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at justplaysolutions.com RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. On this episode of RTP brought to you by Legend Rings, we talk with Trenton Fields, Coach Fields is a free agent coach currently and a former OC at Powerhouse Lexington Catholic in Lexington, Kentucky. Listen, we talk with Coach Fields about the coaching job searches, in addition to game planning and directing a high-powered offense, both on the ground and through the air. You can follow Coach Fields on Twitter at CoachFields01. Hope you guys enjoy. Uh, my name is Trenton Fields. Um, I am uh, going into my 12th year of coaching high school football. Um, you know, I, I'm from Kentucky. Uh, I was born in, actually, I was born in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, but raised uh, right outside of Lexington. Um, you know, come from a, a big, big Catholic family on both sides. Uh, and in Louisville, that's kind of a, you know, that's a big deal. Uh, there's two um, big, big, um, Catholic, um, high school football programs in Trinity and St. X in Louisville, Kentucky. And, um, you know, even though I didn't live in Louisville and grow up in Louisville, you know, I was pretty much raised in Louisville because, you know, every holiday, uh, any sort of event, you know, we would always go back to Louisville. Uh, and, you know, I tell people this all the time, you know, in Louisville, at least in my family, we discussed like grade school football and high school football. We didn't really talk much about college football or, um, you know, in the NFL. It was, it was Louisville high school football and Louisville, what they call the Toy Bowl, um, uh, which is the middle school Catholic championship uh, in Louisville. And, uh, you know, my dad used to tell me stories about that. Uh, you know, he played in it um, back in his day. And, 
you know, I, I always wish I could have played in it, but, um, you know, we live, like I said, in a small town right outside of Lexington, um, uh, called Versailles. And I went to Woodford County high school and I was lucky enough to, uh, start quarterback, uh, all four years that I was there, um, end up being a pretty, pretty good high school football player. No, you know, I wasn't anything spectacular or anything like that by any means. Um, but you know, as you, when you're in high school, you don't, you think you're a lot better than what you are. And I was convinced I was a D one football player, uh, even though I only stood at five, nine. So <laughs> it wasn't, um, definitely wasn't the right decision to be stubborn. Uh, and that's a big reason why I got into coaching. Um, you know, I, I was, like I said, I was a pretty good high school football player. And I think a lot of my coaches thought I could play college ball, but I was dead set on playing quarterback and, you know, being five, nine playing division one football is not really an option. Um, and I was kind of, I would say, I don't know, maybe misguided. No one really wanted to tell me the truth. Maybe I think is probably the better way of going about it. Uh, so I held out and held out and held out. And then I never played college football, even though I had a lot of options to play small time ball. Uh, but I was just a little bit too stubborn and maybe a little bit misguided. So went on to college and realized real quick, uh, real, real quick that, you know, my life was incomplete without football. Um, and around here in Kentucky, uh, you can't start coaching football until you're 21. So right when I turned 21, I reached out to uh, a coach, uh, Mike Harmon. Uh, he was the head coach at Tate's Creek High School in Lexington, where I was going to school at University of Kentucky in Lexington. And uh, I started coaching ball. He actually put me through about seven or eight interviews uh, before he would trust a college kid to come on his staff. But I was really lucky because a lot of guys have to start out, you know, maybe coaching Pee Wee and work their way up through middle school and then get a get a high school job. But I was fortunate enough to, you know, start coaching, um, start coaching high school football and while I was in college. And uh, I did four years um, under Mike at Tate's Creek. And I, you know, I started out as a, you know, the freshman team offense coordinator. Um, and then I worked my way up the next year. I was the freshman head coach. And then my third year, I was the uh, quarterback, varsity quarterback coach and remained the freshman head coach. And then my fourth year, I was the offense coordinator. Um, you know, I was 26 years old. Yeah, 20, 25, 26 years old at a 6A program, one of the biggest schools in the state of Kentucky. I was just fortunate. I, I got hooked up with Mike and, you know, we, we developed a, a very, very good relationship, working relationship. Uh, and we communicated extremely well. And, you know, I worked my way up and I got the job. Um, but unfortunately, he, um, he decided to step away from coaching. And when he stepped away, uh, he told the athletic director and the principal of Tate's Creek, he, he recommended me for the head job, which hindsight's 2020. It's a good thing I didn't get it because I just wasn't ready at that point. Um, but I ended up not getting it. So I ended up uh, leaving Tate's Creek and uh, got a, I did a, a coach a year at George Rogers Clark High School. Uh, as like the, uh, his, I coached under Mike Riddle and um, I was his assistant, like an offense coordinator there. And I took a, a new teaching job um, in Jessamine County at a, a small high school called West Jessamine High School. And I was there for a year and I was promoted offense coordinator mid-year in that one. Uh, but then I got a phenomenal opportunity the year after that uh, to come to Lexington Catholic. And Lexington Catholic is um, arguably one of the, one of the, one of the better high schools, uh, football schools in the state of Kentucky. Um, a lot of tradition, a lot of pride uh, at that school. And I, I actually, you know, I stepped, I took a step back. I, I became their wide receiver coach um, to come on at Lexington Catholic. Uh, but again, I worked my way up and I was, I was the offense coordinator at Lexington Catholic from 2018 uh, to through 2019. Um, and that's kind of, you know, where I'm at. That's, that's kind of my story. Um, you know, we've had a lot of success the past three years, but um you know, I, I've applied and interviewed for head coaching jobs in the recent months and just trying to figure out where I'm going to land, uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. I'm with you on that one, Coach, trying to figure out, you know, what's going to happen here in the next couple of weeks. Um, uh, you know, how, how did getting to coach that freshman team, how did that uh, affect how you were going to end up, you know, how, how you ended up as a coach? It's something that I never got to do. Um, I, I think that it's, 
obviously it's not something necessarily I want to go do now, but it, it would have been a great thing for me to do. How do you think that influenced you on, on the coach you've become now? It had a huge, huge, um, you know, um, it completely changed my career, I think. Uh, and the reason I say that is, you know, Mike, you know, if you're the head freshman coach for Mike Harmon, you are a head coach. You are, um, you are in, you're in control of the parents. You're in control of your schedule. You practice separate, separately. Uh, we have two practice fields. We practice up on the grass with a varsity practice on the, on the, on the turf. Um, I, I handled the parents. I handled the phone calls. Uh, and I was, you know, 22, 23 years old handling this stuff. Um, I had to do the buses, our travel, our travel situation. Um, so, you know, I was prepared probably more so to be a head coach, which I'm still not a head coach, a varsity head coach, but, you know, I, I've, I've done the things that a, a varsity head coach has done uh, as the freshman coach. Um, and, you know, I think the best programs, at least the ones we, you know, we coach against here in Kentucky, you know, some of the best coaches on a staff are a freshman coach, because if you're, if you aren't developing your young kids uh, to be prepared to play varsity football, their sophomore year, you know, you have to start from the beginning again. And that's the opposite of what you want to do. You want those kids ready to roll and you want those kids ready to, to compete as the as sophomores. And um, you know, heck, you know, like I said, Tate's Creek was a six, a school. Uh, you know, we had a, we had a 35 to 40 person class kid class. Um, you know, my, my second year there uh, as the, as the freshman coach. So, you know, there's, there's varsity varsity programs that don't have 40 kids in their program. So um, it's, it's, it was definitely interesting. I, I enjoyed it um, because like I said, you, you, you practice separately pr uh, from the varsity. It's you, you're, I was in control. It was, you know, my program and, you know, I felt like it was mine. Um, and it, it, you know, you, you, it's a lot of reward, you know, when, I just, you know, I would assume as a varsity head coach from when you see how much growth you get from the beginning to the end of the season, it was, uh, it was fun to do. And, and I really cherish those memories. Coach, man, I know I've heard of Lexington Catholic a bunch, you know, talk maybe a little bit about, you know, coming into a, you know, very, very established program. And, you know, I think there's a lot of coaches, you know, myself included, you know, you kind of roll into a place like a jinx you know, and you kind of have to, to bide your time a little bit, you know, can you talk a little bit about that experience of, you know, Hey, you know, come in, you know, maybe be a little bit quiet, learn the system there. And, and obviously you're going to be able to, to kind of, you know, move your way up and work your way up before, you know, you can be into, into that coordinator role. That's, that's exactly right. You know, I was, I was coming from a smaller school, um, you know, where I was the offense coordinator and I was making the calls and I was making the schedules and I was making out the practice plans and I was making, you know, the calls on Friday nights. And uh, I went to Lexington Catholic and, you know, like you said, around here in even, in, you know, in our region of the, of the, of the nation here at the country, Lexington Catholic, we've had a, you know, a division one quarterback in the last 20, 20 years, we've had seven or eight division one quarterbacks. So, um, you know, it's a very prestigious offensive school, um, very prestigious. Uh, so, you know, when I accepted that job, they had just they had just went to a state championship. They had lost uh, and I believe 2015 and I was coming in to coach wide receiver. So, like you said, I, I was coming in there to to learn. I was coming in to soak it up. Uh, I was coming in to uh, sit in the back. And, you know, if I had a suggestion, they they didn't you know, it's not like they frowned upon me speaking up or anything like that, but, you know, I, like you said, I needed to wait my turn. I needed to make sure I understand, understood their system uh, front and back before I should say anything. Um, and I will say this, you know, now, now I'm the, was the offense coordinator. Um, that is something that a lot of people don't understand. I think people want to come in and voice their opinion immediately. And, um, Sometimes it's, it's very smart. Sometimes it just makes sense to sit back, wait, make sure you're saying the right things at the right time uh, and maybe not push uh, too many bus too many buttons. Uh, Cause a lot of times when you sit back and watch and sit back and listen, uh, you're going to learn. Um, you're going to learn a lot. And especially at a program at Lexington Catholic, uh, you can gain a lot, uh, gain, gain a lot by listening rather than talking. And I think and that's something too, that's, that's, 
difficult to do at first. It was for me, probably not for everybody, but it was for me. And I'm sure Walls could could talk about that. But you know, I was a young coach that that wanted to know it all and and didn't necessarily thought I knew it all. But you know, if people are asking questions, I felt like well, I'm supposed to give my opinion on it. And it's kind of difficult uh, to find out that first year, you know, kind of when your opinion is needed and when it's not. But I think it it makes you a better coach. Like you said, no one's going to – if it's a good idea, good opinion, smart opinion, it's great great to speak up and let that be known or if it's something you really feel strongly about. But if it's something that is minuscule or you don't feel real strong about and you're a new guy or it's a new situation, young guy, um, it, it's – you kind of have to learn, okay, when is it time to speak up? When is it time to just listen and, and kind of learn? And it, for me, it was a great learning learning experience as a coach. Well, I'll say this. I mean, a big a big lesson I, I learned from my dad was, you know, you, you don't need to speak unless you know or you can absolutely bring something to the table. Don't just talk to talk. Um, that was a big lesson that we were taught in our house. Maybe that's right. Maybe that's wrong. But that's something that we believe in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I did speak up. Don't get me wrong. Um, I would speak up and I would say things. If I if I felt strongly about something after watching hours of film, um, you know, I think we need to widen our splits. And I think we need to throw attach a fast screen on the front side, inside zone, something like that. Um, you know, uh, I would do that. But I think sitting back, watching uh, how they processed, how they did things, how they systematically ran their meetings. You know, that was something that, you know, I had heard about, uh, but I had never seen done. So, you know, it was, a, sometimes it was hard. I'm not going to lie to sit back and maybe not say as much because I was in control of the other places that I was at. Uh, but, you know, I think definitely that first year was best that I, I definitely took a back seat. I think it helps you so much too. Then, you know, now you step into the, the coordinator role and taking the reins, it, it makes you such a better, you know, manager of people. Cause you know, you've been, you've been in that chair, you know? So I, you know, I, I, I had a lot of empathy for, you know, coach Harper when, when he was you know, coming into the, the game, because I'd made so many mistakes. And, and at the same time, you know, then being the coordinator and being the manager of the room, like you eventually were at, at Lexington Catholic, you know, when those new young guys come in, you can kind of help mold those guys a little bit. And, you know, hey, man, I, I know you got a strong opinion here, but, you know, this this is kind of how we do it or, you know, be able to play it off a little bit. But it just makes you such a better coordinator. I think having experienced that stuff, too. I think the best way, in my, in my opinion, um, and it, everyone has a different way of going about this, but in, in my opinion, I think the best way is when you bring in some new guys, you know, I, I encourage them to come to every single meeting where I know some programs don't do that, mm -hmm. uh, but I firmly believe they should be involved because there's, there's no way that they can learn. They're, there's no way that, that they can trust you if they don't see how much, you, how much time and effort and energy that goes into game planning. Uh, so if they're not at your Sunday meeting, they're, they're really at a disadvantage. Um, just want to make kind of that clear. But I, every time we hired a new guy, I, my, my wife's amazing, by the way, I, I, we have a basement here at our house and it's dedicated to football. Like I have two, two chairs and a desk and I'm able to put TV, I'm able to put huddle up on the TV. And, you know, I, I always bring in new assistants and we always sit for about two or three hours and I show, I install the offense with them. Uh, I show them film and I really, this is the biggest, the biggest thing I'm, I make sure they take away from the meeting is I, you can make all the suggestions that you want. But what I don't want to hear is, well, when I was playing or when I was at my previous school, we did this. That, that's not what I want to hear. I want to hear, Coach, um, number four, is we, he's one of our best players and he's not getting enough touches. I think we need to get him touches by putting him on the bubble, attached to the inside zone, uh, because we can force, the, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, you know, give me, so give me the reason why and give me scheme that we already do and say, this is how we're going to do it. Don't let's not, let's not, you know, reinvent the wheel uh, in between, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Let's, let's, okay, let's piece this puzzle together together uh, and maybe add some things. We're going to add minor things. And like I said, if you have suggestions, that's fine. Just make sure it's solution-based, not just idea-based. That's big, right? For everyone, coach. I mean, it, 
you know, we've got guys that have, I've been on staffs that they've been there 10 years and we're, we're gap scheme and, and zone and we've got a huge playbook in and then, you know, kind of out of nowhere, they think that week speed option would be great. And, you know, speed option probably would be great, but it doesn't necessarily fit anything that we do. And, and it's not something that we could put in on Monday and, and be able to work it on Friday, or it might have some really, really good things for some team that's terrible that we play. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily help us get ready to beat the big teams that we need to beat in a few weeks. And so um, it, it is, it's like you said, it's not just for the new guys, that's kind of for everyone to think. And, and it's, um, I would assume from everything I've heard, guys that become OCs or guys that become head coaches are, are guys that a lot of times make for better assistance because now they see, okay, what certain things, okay, certain things guys say or do make my life more difficult. And there's certain things that make things a lot easier. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I will say this, you know, being the offense coordinator at Lexington Catholic is a huge responsibility. Um, you know, like I said, like seven or eight division one quarterbacks in 20 years, like if you don't put one out, uh, whose fault is that? You know what I mean? So a lot of pressure, uh, which I embrace. I love it. I eat it up. Um, it's something that the, one of the biggest reasons I went to Lexington Catholic. So it, I will say this, you know, stepping away from Lexington Catholic, the I'm going to miss that pressure. I'm going to miss that every single game, every time we step on the field, we must win like that. That's something I'm going to miss. Um, and taking, you know, in that situation, if I got to step away from an OC, OC spot, like I don't know how to not, how to not work. I don't know how to not, watch seven hours of film, eight hours, nine hours of film to prep for Friday, you know, prep before Sunday meeting. It's going to be interesting. Um, I hope I don't have to do that. I'm hoping I land either a head job or, or another OC job, but it's going to definitely be interesting. Um, I, I will say this, um, you know, not putting in that time is going to be hard, but maybe I'm sure my wife will enjoy it. And I'm sure, uh, you know, my son will appreciate it. So it's definitely um, an interesting time to say the least. Um, I feel like this goes on every, every year, this, you know, this time of year, um, you know, whether it's interviewing for head coaching jobs, whether it's, um, you know, maybe possibly taking on a new OC job, whatever it may be, you know, there's kind of chaos from the, middle of December till the beginning of February every year. And it's, I don't know if I like it or not, but it's, it's, it's definitely stressful to say the least. <laughs> Coach, you know, talk a little bit about that, you know, that, that process, you know, kind of, kind of where, where your head's at, you know, obviously it's so much unknown and so much you can't really control, you know, what, what are some ways you kind of, you know, keep it sane. And then what, what are maybe some things, you know, because obviously, you know, we've all been in the spot where we're, we're looking for a job. You know, what, what are some things that you, you know, have done or you, you, you're thinking about doing and things like that? You know, are you more of an in-person guy? You know, are you working the networks and the back channels? You know, what, what are some of the things that you're kind of trying to do to, you know, make sure you're putting you and your family in the best position to be successful? Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, I think every coach's situation is different based off of their family structure. And um you know, my wife, uh, we're both teachers, but she absolutely loves her job. So that really, that really changes how I approach um, the next job. And, you know, the biggest thing for me is I have to kind of make sure my radius is within where she can continue her job and keep, you know, kind of the family structure in place and happy. And, um, there, there have been some opportunities that have popped up, but they're just not realistic with our family structure. And that's, you know, that's kind of hard, kind of hard to deal with. Um, but, you know, I love my wife and I love our house and I love where we live and I love our situation. So, yeah, it's it kind of it's kind of, uh, you know, a, it's a sting. You know what I mean? It makes you well, what if it makes you say, ah, you know, what if I did take that big job or what if I did this? But the reality is I'd much rather have a happy happy life, happy, happy wife, happy life. You know what I'm saying? Like that's way more important than coaching football. So um, now the other side of that is I'm a very much an in-person kind of guy. 
like I said, I have an office down here. I have coaches in my office and we just get up on the board and chat, you know, talk ball. And COVID has made that extremely difficult to do. Um, so because of that, you know, uh, you know, I, I try to text and keep in contact with as many people as I can. And, you know, there's a, to me, there's a fine line. There's a fine line between texting someone because you want them to do you a favor and texting them because you just want to talk ball or you just want to keep, keep in touch. Uh, and I don't want anyone to ever think I'm using them. And I think that's the, the biggest thing when, if you, if you know me, you know, I'm a genuine person. I don't, I'm a very blunt person and it's probably got me in trouble one too many times, but I don't ever want people to think I'm using them. I don't ever want people to think, you know, I'm trying to manipulate them. And that's when you're texting someone, they may think that way. And I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I'd rather shake your hand and I'd rather look you in the eye and tell you what I'm thinking. So, you know, I'm genuine and it's kind of hard to, hard to get that across right now. Um, but you know, it, it, it is not an easy process. It really isn't. And, um, you know, I care so much about football and I care so much about coaching these kids and I care so much about, you know, putting in the time necessary to win. Um, some guys embrace that and some guys don't. And both people, both those kinds of coaches have success. There's not a right or wrong way to do it, but I'm one of those grinders. I'm one of those guys that puts in the time and just thinking about, well, heck, what if I don't coach football next year? Like, it, it keeps me up at night, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's exactly right. It was, you know, I, I kind of found myself in that situation this year. And, and those first few weeks for me was just like, well, I mean, I got to find a job right now. What, what are we doing? I couldn't imagine not, you know, coaching and, and this and that. And, and um, you know, it's, it's, it's taken a while to get used to that feeling, but I'm with you still. It's, I could never imagine not coaching or not having a good coaching position. And so, um, you know, you try to, like you said, try to reach out to some people and, and try to make sure your name's out there and, and do the best job that you possibly can and, and hope that someone's looking for that. Yeah. It, you know, Twitter is a, an amazing thing. Um, Twitter can be used for great things or it can be used for terrible things if we're being honest, but Twitter, when the coaching Twitter is just amazing. Um, you know, I posted that I was leaving Lexington Catholic and I literally had two job offers in a matter of an hour. Um, they weren't necessarily realistic. One was in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, and one was in Florida. Uh, but these coaches were genuine, and these coaches wanted me to come coach their football team. Uh, they had both. Um, you know, I had been on Pete, Pete DeWeese's uh, roundtable uh, through, you know, the pandemic where, you know, he brought in, we did it on Zoom, and just, you know, talk ball. There was a specific subject. and both these coaches had watched those roundtables and really liked what I was saying. And, you know, and literally in a matter of an hour, I had two offers. So, you know, I've had, I've had coaches reach out our rivals from, you know, where, uh, where I was at at Lexington Catholic. Um, and, you know, I would never think they would reach out, but they were like, coach, it, it was actually very flattering. One of the best compliments I've ever been given was by our, our rivals head coach. He said, uh, he kind of asked, you know, what, ha what happened, blah, blah, blah. Where, where are you planning on going? And he said, coach, he essentially said, coach, I'm glad you're leaving because practicing for you was hell. So, <laughs> you know, when you, when you hear that from your biggest rival, that is, uh, the biggest compliment you can possibly get. I feel like. That's awesome, man. I, I, I completely agree with you as far as like, you know, the, the Twitter world and, and how you can kind of really, you know, build that, that network. And, and it, it does prop you back up a little bit, you know, you get knocked down a little bit and, and to hear those things like, Hey, yeah, I can still coach. I'm still going to be wanted. You know, it, it gives you that confidence, but you know, when you were talking about, you know, doing things in person, you know, I, I'm, I'm the same way. And I know I've, I've talked to Harper about it, you know, when you're looking for jobs and, and whatnot, but like, to me, that's what so many people miss out on. I mean, you got to go meet people. You got to go shake their hand or look them in the eye and they get to kind of measure you up a little bit too. And and I think also it shows like your genuine interest in the job, you know, when you actually go meet, you know, your, your possible future boss, you know, you've done your research on the, the school and you know, you know, all, all the things about the program, how many guys they put in college and things like that. I just think that you know, it, it's so hard. It, it's great for social media. It's great, you know, all the, the technology we have, but it's so hard, I think, to get especially really good jobs without doing things in person and having those skills to be able to do that. 
Yeah, I 100 percent agree. I, I would say I would say that I've interviewed for one and I have. I think I have an interview coming up, I guess, is the best way to say that. Um, and I was about to get one <laughs> a few weeks ago, um, but I would say Kentucky is with let's say split when it comes to coronavirus um so I, i've been lucky enough when it comes to these head coaching opportunities i've been able to make in-person contact with them um obviously wearing masks and obviously keeping social distance and i'm not exaggerating that that's true um we kept our masks on we make sure we kept our distance but you know like you said we didn't shake hands um you know and i, I firmly that that's a belief in mine. I shake a man's hand. If you, if you, you know, introduce yourself, it's a big part of a first impression, but um, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm trying not to use too much detail, but when you lose a head coaching job, it, it's hard to swallow, especially when you feel like you're the right man for the job and you feel like you've done everything in your power um, to prepare for the job one you've performed at your at your current position to earn the job and then you you feel like you did a really good job in the interview process uh, and then you you're told no that's just it's hard to hear uh, it's hard to digest and, it, and like you I think one of you said earlier it makes you kind of question like why 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 am I putting myself through this process for a, a, a very small stipend that I could go do something else and make a lot more money. And my wife would probably be significantly happier if I didn't coach football, but you know, it, it really makes you question uh, sometimes when you get that no. Um, but you know, I, I don't know about you all, but I'm sure you all obviously do. I, I'm always going to come back to football. I might say I'll step away and enjoy my boat in the summer, but I will always, I will absolutely always come back to football. Um, and my wife knows it. I, she, she, she jokes about it more often than I do. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it's, it's something that would be, you know, at least for me, impossible not to come back to. And, uh, but, uh, you know, my, I don't, and my wife wouldn't want me to either. She, I mean, I don't think she'd want me around the house. I think she's about tired of me not having a football job, you know, <laughs> spending a bunch of time up there. We, we love each other and have a blast, but uh, we're, we're a lot better in, in, you know, micro doses, hanging out with each other, uh, yeah. and then getting yeah. to be around each other. Just not used to, you know, I, I say most of that as a joke, but she loves football. Kids, my kids love football. It's just, um, it, it's, a it, it's just a different time when you're going out there and trying to find it. You know, the, the hardest part for me has been, you've got, you know, I guess interviews to prepare for, but you don't have a team to be thinking about. I mean, you don't have okay, well, what if we move this kid to this position and we do this? And then do we need to be what, – what run game do we need to be looking at? What, what uh, pass protections do we need to go into with this group? And can we chip? What are we going to do with the fullback? I mean, there's none of that – none of those thoughts come in your mind because there's not a team to think about. Uh, and so it gets to where you're just like, uh, you know, you don't almost, almost don't know what to think about. That's, ex that's exactly spot on. I, I am such a – I'm an organized guy, like to a point where it's annoying. Like I will, I will have my, you know, I, I think most people do this all right, and I hope they do, but you, you I have a group chat with my offensive coaches only, and I, I will send them ideas constantly. It's, it's all, they're all almost once a day, they're going to get an idea from me. And, you know, to, like I said, to almost to a point where it's annoying and, now I don't, I don't have anyone, I don't have anything to prepare for. I don't I have nothing to think about. Like it's, it's almost driving me crazy. I don't, I don't really know how to function right now without a team. Well, coach, let's, let's get you back into that mode then. So, okay. I've seen the numbers you guys have put up at, you know, Lexington Catholic. I mean, it's, it's insane to me. What, you know, quarterback thrown for almost 12 grand. You got three receivers, you know, over a thousand yards, you know, being able to run the ball, you know, Walk us through a little bit, kind of, you know, one, the offensive philosophy and, and how you attacked people. And then, you know, two, kind of, you know, what are some of your go-to things that, you know, you have kind of hung your hat on over the years of, you know, putting up big time numbers? 
and, and coming up with these cool ideas for that offensive staff? Uh, well, I would say this, you know, I think this is extremely important uh, at our level. Um, your offense must be multiple uh, because, you know, if, if I could recruit, I would go after very specific kids and I would put them in where I want them. But at the high school level, we don't always know what we're going to get. You know, everyone thinks Lexington Catholic recruits. And I tell people all the time, if if we're recruiting, we need to fire a recruiting coordinator because it we don't have players like that. So um, <laughs> our, our offense absolutely must be multiple and flexible. Uh, that's one. That's key. Uh, you know, my first year taking over at Lexington Catholic, I think we were like 60-40 past the run. Um you know, and we put up some really big numbers. We we were in empty a lot of the time, but then the next year, we actually moved from 80-20. We, it was, uh, we threw it 80% of the time to run 20% of the time, um, and that was against an absolutely ridiculous schedule in 2019. And our numbers dropped a, a tiny bit, um, but not drastically, but our, the, the, the opponent was significantly harder. Uh, and then we got to 2020 and we flipped it back to 60, 40 run to run to pass 60, 40. So I just, I, I believe you got to be flexible and you got to coach to your kids. Um, but the big thing that I want to make sure my offensive coaches understand when we're game planning and a big philosophy of, of mine is that we you, you have to make sure, you know, and make sure you understand that, we are not coaching against their defensive coordinator. We are coaching against those 15 through 18 year old kids. So, and the reason I say that is because I'm going to make them coach and prepare for so much stuff that the kids are swimming and that they don't know. And they're thinking, and they're not reacting the way they should be. And if we're playing fast and you're playing slow, we have the advantage. So we're going to throw motions at you almost every single play. We're going to give you wide sets. We're going to give you compressed sets. We're going to get an empty. Um, we are going to uh, attack you at every single level in the pass game. We're going to screen you. We're going to have quick game. We're going to have drop back. We're going to have shots. Um, we are going to force you to defend modern day triple option. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people are doing that nowadays, but it's modern day triple option when we're running you know, we put a gift on the front side and we're on the inside zone read with a bubble. I mean, that's forcing teams to play discipline assignment football. Um, and when you've got to take that time to prepare for triple, and then you got to take time to prepare for our screen game, and then you got to take time to prepare for our shots, and then you got to prepare for all of our tight end sets, it's overwhelming. And I want to overwhelm those kids. I want those kids to have to make decisions on the fly because if I'm coaching against an 18 year old kid, I think I have the advantage. Um, and that's kind of where we've hung our hat. Um, a big thing is, and I, I, this, if there's one thing I feel like I can brag on as far as being at Lexington Catholic is when I run my numbers, when I run my tendency numbers and huddle with me putting in the information, uh, and me, you know, everything that huddle wants it gets, we have zero tendencies. There's question marks everywhere. Um, so when you're preparing for us, and you're, you're plugging, you don't know our information, you're plugging us in, there's no way in heck you know what we're going to give you on third long. And there's no way you're going to know which, what we're going to run on second and, second and short. Um, and I feel like that's, that's a testament to our game planning. That's a testament of how we break teams down and how we break down our install, maybe not install, but how we break down like week three, we're going to focus on this quick game. Uh, week, I'm sorry, week one through three, we're going to focus on this quick game. And then weeks four through seven, we're going to focus on this quick game. And then eight through 10, we're going to focus on this quick game. So we never have, we never develop a tendency. Um, I, I really, I'm real proud of that, just to be honest. Uh, I just think it, it keeps guys off balance. It, that's the biggest thing about high school football is if a DC can get your tendencies and says, okay, well, if they're in third and long, they're going to run uh one or two plays well then they can game plan and stop that but if they have no idea what you're going to run on third and long then they've got to trust their call and they got to trust their kids to make a play and i just feel like if i can motion or shift in order to get your guys to think then my guys are playing full speed we have an advantage um that's kind of a, a nutshell of what who what we are and what we did and it's something that i think you see right now a ton in the nfl and in colleges uh guys are shift or, or motioning receivers uh, almost every snap, it seems. I mean, especially in third downs, and, and I'm sure there's to see man or zone or, or whatever, but um, 
sometimes it's not sometimes motion tailback out of the backfield tailback into the backfield you know outside receiver into the into the number three receiver it's so many different things and like you said uh the coach may be able to write that up on a whiteboard how to cover it and, and the communication but now those kids have to be able to communicate it you know one of the things one of, to me, the easiest things to do is trade a tight end from one side to the other. We don't hardly ever see anyone do it, but it's really simple to do. And and for us, you know, uh, in the past being run heavy team, uh, it makes those D linemen have to think. It doesn't let them sit there and get in a great stance, come off and hit us in the face. It makes them think and shift. And linebackers are thinking, what's, what's my gap now? And uh, it's really, really simple, but uh, it makes those kids think. Exactly right. And I, I believe, I think I would make the assumption um, people think our, our offense is extremely complicated. And I would argue the differ. And I would argue that we run very, now a pass game is pretty advanced from what I understand, but our, our run scheme and what people really struggle to stop uh, is very simple, extremely simple. Um, but because of the motions, like we, 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 no, we actually don't trade a tight end, but we will move our back and then we'll jet motion. We'll, we do a lot of different things. We'll move our, our tail back up to a sniffer spot and do a lot of, you know, a power read stuff and we'll run GT triple. And um, we shift shifting and motioning. What we didn't do that until year, year two. And I had, what I did coach is I, I, I made my scripts out during the summer um, and then I'd say, okay, add motion to everything you're doing Add a motion or add a shift to everything you're doing. And I would, it would take me time, but once I added it to it, we started doing it every single day. Um, I had to force myself to do it, but it's just, it changes nothing about what you do. Once you get it installed and once your kids understand it, it changes nothing about what you do, but it chat, it changes absolutely everything, absolutely everything for a defense. Um, they have specific checks. That's another thing that we do, and it, we do it extremely well, is utilizing our tight end to force your strength. Uh, we played uh, last year in 2019, we played Covenant Catholic, who won our 5A state championship, and they had Michael Mayer uh, at middle linebacker, who started at Notre Dame this year uh, and led their team in receptions from the tight end position as a true freshman. Um, we the, the biggest part of the game plan was manipulating him because he was so daggone good. I mean, I mean, absolutely the best player I've ever coached against. And it's not even close. Uh, he's six, five, 200 and, uh, 260 pounds running a four, six forty. Like he's just, he's a five-star different. He's just different. Uh, so, you know, we manipulated him because we knew where he's going to line up because we utilize the tight end. If we, if we put the tight end down, we knew he was going to the strength. So we utilized the tight end, forced him to the strength and went away from him with a lot of different strategies and scheme. But, you know, high school defense is not super complicated because it can't be, you know, they're kids. We, again, coach to beat kids. Don't coach to beat the DC, but you can only prep so much as a coach, as a defense coordinator to prepare, you only have so much time. So you only have one or two empty checks. You only have one or two um, tight end checks. And if I can figure that out and attack you, I'm at the advantage, not you. Yeah, I love it. I mean, especially the aspect of you, you know, talking about putting a motion in and, and adding it to it. I mean, it, to me, once again, you've practiced it and you've installed it, you know, you don't necessarily have to, you know, have it part as part of the game plan. There's so many things you can, you know, adjust midstream, you know, Hey, Hey, add a, add a Zach motion here or add a Zen motion here to, to get what you want, just because you've practiced that aspect to me, it's just like putting another attachment on, you know, just like putting a screen on, on a run, you know, to me, it, it makes it that easy. Uh, to really adjust when you've practiced it enough, you haven't just you know just installed it during the week. You've actually included it with your 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 regular offensive install. Hundred percent, and we I believe in front loading. So you know we are going to be super install heavy, super super super. And I think a lot of teams don't maybe not don't do this, but we I want to install absolutely everything. So they're they're kind of swimming at the beginning of the summer. 
um, or I'm actually they're drowning at the beginning of the summer because we install so much, but because we get it in at the beginning, things start to slow down by the end of the summer. Whereas a lot of coaches believe in, okay, we're going to install this for three days and we're going to perfect it. And then we're going to move on. Whereas we install one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, all at once. Well, maybe not all at once, but they're in those days. And then we kind of go backwards and reinstall and reinstall and reinstall. So we may not be hitting on all cylinders on week one or scrimmage one, but once we hit our stride, get, we're, we're pretty difficult to stop because we can do so much. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and something that Walls has always talked about is, like you just said you know, earlier, teams only have so many empty checks. You know, They probably only have so many formation into boundary checks. They only have so many you know, um, situations like that, probably bunch uh, or compressed sets, uh, things that they'll do when you get into those things. And so uh, if they've only got one or two and you've seen those on film, those are something you know to show, see what they do, and, and should be really easy to exploit, um, which is you know, why Walls has always talked so heavily about being able to uh, use those formations, use those adjustments, uh, against the defense because like you said um you know you want to know what they're doing and if you do uh then you can really go attack it and you can work that uh, all week with your kids yeah i i that's exactly right and that's a, that's to a t what we what we do um ideally and then you know if i again if i was coaching college i would want to be a, an 11 personnel team with a tailback that's able to shift out and run basic routes and that's what we were two years ago. And that's why we had so much success. Excuse me. And the reason we, the reason I believe in that is because you can do pretty much, you can run every, practically every single offensive play other than your old school wing T, old school, uh, you know, single wing stuff out of 11 personnel. You can run true power. You can run uh, all your GT stuff. You can run inside zone. You can run outside zone and all your pass scheme. Um, and playing with a tight end nowadays, since so many teams are spread oriented, um, they don't want to see it. They just don't want to see it. And even, you know, this year we got in 12 personnel and that was even worse for teams because they didn't know how to line up because we throw the ball so well. We get an ace, true ace, two tight end, eight, 12 personnel ace, and they wanted to stay too high. And we, okay, well, we're just going to gash you. We're going to run GT. We're going to wash everything down. We're going to kick. We're going to lead up on one. And there wasn't much you could do about it. And we're playing some of the best teams in the state, and they, they couldn't really do much about it because they had to stay too high because of how well we threw the football. It's just – it's a numbers game. It's a cat and mouse game. That, that's, that's the honest truth. You know, if we – people talk about it all the time, and it's basic knowledge now, but – you know, if you're going to play too high and we're in 11 or 12 personnel, we're going to run the ball. Well, once you put that safety down, we're going to throw the ball. I mean, it's it's simple stuff. I mean, there's nothing – I'm not teaching or revolutionizing the game by any means. That's that's just basic football. That's basic numbers. I like what you said before, too, about, you know, grinding on film. You know, th those were some of the things I would, quote, grind on. You know, like – you, obviously you're going to see their base defense. You're going to see what they do against really good teams. You know, those are the games you spent the most time on, but th that's where I would go kind of, you know, cherry picking or, or gold mining, you know, finding some of these blowout games that Jenks played or that broken arrow played. And, and I wanted to see if that other team got in bunch or got in ACE or got in, you know, ACE empty or something crazy, because that might be the, the little nugget where you find, you know, the, the one check or the two checks, like, Hey man, I got 10 plays of this and they've never blitzed it, you know, or I've got, I've got eight plays of this and, and I got cover three every single time. So I'm going to rip some of my cover three beaters, but those were the little things that in, you know, evenly matched games, like you're talking against Covington Catholic, or you're playing, you know, St. X or somebody, th those two or three plays are going to be the difference in a game and, and the difference in whether or not we go win a state title. A hundred percent. And that is, spot on that coach came to me he was new to our staff this year and he was he was plugging in formations and um he called me said coach i'm done i said okay so i went to huddle and look i was looking through it and um he stopped tagging it so i called him said hey what uh, i noticed you stopped tagging um formations against blah 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 blah, blah. 
And he said, well, they're, they subbed in their JV. I said, no, 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 wait a second. You've got to keep on doing it because when they put their JV in, they will run their base stuff, period. So I'm going to know what their base checks are mm-hmm. because their JV is on, the on the football field. A lot of people do not, absolutely do not tag that stuff. And I firmly believe you should because of that reason right there. And, you know, we uh, beat Covenant Catholic this year and they hadn't lost a regular season game. Uh, I think the last time they lost a regular season game was in 2017. I mean, Eddie's doing heck of a, just a, such a good job up there at CuffCath. And, um, you know, it was a hell of an accomplishment to beat them. And, uh, you know, it, it came down to a two-point play. We uh, tied up the game and we went for two. I'm sorry. Um, we scored with – we had a two-minute drill, drove the field to score, and uh, there was 45 seconds left in the game. We were down by one and we went for two. And, you know, I knew in that situation what defense they were going to give us because I'd watched film. And we called a a – a, a motion and it was essentially motion with snag. It was a snag with motion. I'm sorry. And they chase cause they're a man to man and he popped wide open. And um, it's, it's, that's the stuff I'm gonna, If I don't get a daggone job, that's the stuff I'm going to miss because there's just something about knowing everything about a team and I'm going to, I'm going to manipulate you and I'm going to attack you. And there's not much you're going to be able to do about it. I'm going to really miss that. I love that. I mean, again, I, you know, sometimes you know, people call you crazy, like I said, but you know, it's those one or two plays and, you, and then you'll hear the coach say it after the game, you know, oh, you know, it came down to three or four plays. And, and that's when I would literally, when it was a close game and we lost, those were the times I, I kicked myself the most. Cause it's like, you know, if, if I could have found one or two other things, you know, and, and it might be a little bit of, of, of obsessive or anything like that, but if you can come up with one, two, three plays, you know, I, I like to, to do it in the red zone because I think it's one of the more overlooked aspects, you know, especially in high school, you know, finding those, those two, three special plays that, that could score you a touchdown or get you a two point play. Th- those are those little mini plays that, that everybody talks about that all of a sudden puts you over the top and and puts you in the situations where you go to hold the trophy instead of me sitting there like, man, I wish I would have grinded just a little bit more film. That's 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 exactly right. And that really just. That made me think of a game uh, in 2018. We went to Belfry. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they're a powerhouse here in Kentucky. And um, they, they're they a traditional, you know, double wing, triple option football team. And um, we went and they're about four hours away from Lexington. And they're in Eastern Kentucky and they're in the mountains. Um, and we drove there in second round of the playoffs and we scored 52 points and lost. And I was not angry after the game. I was, well, wait a second. That's the wrong way. I, a lot of people were like, well, <laughs> I can't believe you lost a game. You scored 52 points, but we got in the red zone twice that game and didn't score. We should have scored 68. And I, that, that was my thought process is wouldn't, why didn't we score there? What did I do wrong as a, as a coach, as the offense coordinator at Lexington Catholic, what did I do wrong? to make sure we didn't put up 68 points. That was my mindset. And I, you know, and, and if you're not doing it that way, that's fine. But me and that person probably won't get along, but just because like, I, I just, I think you're doing a disservice to the kids if you don't put your heart and soul into it. Cause why are you doing it? If you're not doing it to be the best that you can possibly be, you probably shouldn't be doing it at all. Well, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, as weird as this sounds, like I've, as run game anyways, I, I've learned some of the biggest tells and different things on from film just from almost, and it's again, this is going to sound weird, and I know it does, but almost like mindlessly watching film, like watching a game for what seems like the 10th time and just going through and kind of watching it. And some of my biggest pickups, and some of my, and I don't do it, I guess, necessarily for every single team we play, but for the really big ones that we've got maybe two weeks or a game that, we got to buy. So we have two weeks just to spend some time and watch and watch and not even really know what I was looking for. Just watching has been some of the times where I've picked up some of my biggest defensive tendencies. Oh, well that, that just reminded me of another story coach. Cause that's exactly right. Um, <laughs> we, we were playing Covenant Catholic both through for goodness gracious. I think he threw for, I think 500 yards that night. 
No, he threw for 400. We had 500 yards total um, against Cuffcat that night. And we manipulated them. But again, we manipulated Michael Mayer uh, and then motioned the back. Uh, we, we pushed the back out to trips. So it became quads. And we, we threw him the swing screen. And then we threw snag off of it. And then we threw spacing off of it. Well, they were a 3-4 team and they didn't have – they were so daggone good. They didn't really need to have a ton of checks. So I knew we could outnumber them if we pushed the back. So it was, it was literally Wednesday night. And we, we don't, our, our practice, our heavy offensive practice is Wednesday. And then we really don't do much of anything offensively on Thursday. So Wednesday night, I, I was watching film and I texted Bo. I said, Bo, we're going to push this back. Their, their field safety is already occupied. So their boundary safety is going to chase our back out of the backfield. And when that does, we're going to throw an X post off of it, a boundary post off of it. And, uh, and, and I, I was, I, I literally texted the X that night, the X wide receiver that night, I texted Bo and I said, you two are the only two that need to know this, but this is what we're going to do if they do this. And we, we threw an 80 yard touchdown on the third series of the game because of that adjustment. And literally a text on Wednesday night struck up the band for 80 yards uh, on a Friday night. It's if you don't put in the time here, you're doing a disservice to the kids. Love it. I, I, I remember saying the same thing to Harper. Uh, Harp was the, it was the Santa Fe week. And I think I, I probably texted Harper or, or told whoever in a meeting, it, it might've even been like Thursday. I'm like, we, we need to put us, you know, split zone in. We got, we just got to have, you know, split zone out of, out of slot. And we hadn't practiced a bunch of it, you know, not thinking it, but I'm like, again, mindlessly watching film, you know, of, of a couple games. And you finally see a team that starts to run some of the split zone, uh, you know, or, or the way we wanted to run it. And again, you see the, the safety's chasing it and the safety's not fitting it. So I'm like, man, if we crease one, it's going to hit. And, and sure as heck we get in the game and, and it ends up being one of our, you know, one of our best plays. But like, like both of you guys said, you know, just mindlessly continuing just to watch film, continuing just to see if you can find something, you know, on a, on a Wednesday or a Thursday, you know, the, those one or two plays, they're, they're huge. And, and when you're trying to win state titles, you know, you can't leave any of those stones uh, unturned. I, I just don't, I don't think you can, if you, if you want to be really good. hundred percent. If you're, if you're going to do this, you got to do it the right way. And, you know, it doesn't matter if, you're at, you know, Lexington Catholic or St. X, or if you're at a, you know, maybe a 1A school that has never won, it, you've got to put in the time necessary in order to be successful. And especially in the state of Kentucky, you know, we don't, we have some elite level athletes, but they're kind of spread out, if that makes sense. So, you know, we're not playing these teams down in Georgia that have 12 D1 kids. I mean, we, we play the, we played the best of the best when I was at Lexington Catholic, but um, I guess what I'm trying to say is a lot of times in the state of Kentucky, it's a team that busts their tail, that is disciplined and plays their hardest. If they're schematically correct and they do things the right way, they block, they tackle, they run. Uh, the team that does that the best wins the football game. So it doesn't matter, in my opinion, if, if you're at St. X or if you're at Trinity, if you're at Lexington Catholic, do it the right way and give your team every opportunity they, that they can to win a football game, because that is why they hired you. That is why you are on, that's why you're a football coach. Put in the time necessary and make sure you prepare those kids the best of your ability. Well, coach, it's been an unbelievable hour and we don't want to keep you for too long, but, but one thing I always like to ask guys before uh, we do let you leave is uh, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things, that their offensive line would be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Oh, that's a great question. I think when I see an offensive line truly communicating, when I see an offensive line calling out their blocks, their doubles, who, we wrap, who we're wrapping to, uh, that's how I know they've been coached. Um, there's, so, there's so many teams nowadays, at least in our area, that, you know, the goodness gracious, they're so big and they're so talented that, it doesn't matter what they run. That's going to work. Um, I love to see it when, a, when a, all five of them are talking, pointing, communicating, and they're all on the same page. That's how I know they've got a hell of an offensive line coach. 
And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.